It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got John Paul taking your calls at 08 at 0818103103 texts and whatsapps I can see texts and whatsapps already coming into us at 0862103103 anything you want to share with us uh, feel free to get your comments into us Dan in Mallow has already been on let's start with Dan in uh, Mallow he's on about the new board walk which opened about a week ago now in Mallow there was a series of delays with this uh, board walk but it finally uh, opened and uh, he is a bit disappointed with it. He said it's actually made from perforated galvanised steel and it looks like scaffolding. Dan thinks it's an eyesore. It's destroyed a beautiful cut stone bridge. He said if anyone applied for planning to deface an historic structure they'd be laughed at. But apparently Cork County Council can do what they want. Plough along lads says Dan. Also the grating that you walk along has holes and gaps so anyone with a pair of stiletto high heels would be barred from using the walkway. Ah, it's a claim waiting to happen, I'd say. I thought the plaza in Mallow was a joke, but this bridge, it's industrial looking scaffolding, has to cap it all, says Dan in Mallow. So for the good people of Mallow, your thoughts welcomed on the new boardwalk. Are you with Dan that you don't like the look of it? They're still hoarding around, and though I haven't been on it now, so I can't give an opinion, uh, Dan. Uh, but there's still, you know, there's still work to be done obviously to make the bridge into two lanes which would be fantastic when they do that but your thoughts welcomed um, uh, on Dan who feels it looks like scaffolding uh, you can call 0818103103 and let me stay with commentary coming in from listeners this came into us over the weekend and I just didn't get a chance to get to it uh, yesterday and it reads Hi Patricia I was listening to your programme last Friday as I was off duty and I felt so devastated listening to the show that so many listeners appeared to be up in arms over the government's decision on paying the HSE frontline workers a 1,000 euro pandemic bonus. Oh my God, I know everyone everyone worked during the first wave of Alpha, the second one Delta and then the third Omicron. But it makes me so sad. I am a healthcare worker. I work in the catering and cleaning. I'm a multitask attendant and I work in a general acute hospital. What we got in the last two years of the dreadful pandemic was a round of applause. Please don't get me wrong, but all health workers work for the public sector at Christmas. We don't get a bonus. 
unlike people who work in the private sector. When COVID started in March of 2020, we didn't really know what was in front of us at the time. When it hit big time in hospitals, every person was affected. We simply didn't have enough PPE at the time, as every case needed gowns, gloves and visors had to be changed with each patient you dealt with. I contracted COVID-19 in March of 2020 at my place of work, not through bad work practices, but because we were ignorant to what COVID could do at times. PPE gear then then arrived from China and that wouldn't fit, etc. When I returned to work, having been out sick for seven weeks, I was then placed on a full COVID ward. I dealt with 11 positive patients. Sadly, some of those didn't make it. But I would start my shift 7.30am, went in in my outdoor clothes. But once I reached my ward, I put on my scrubs, full PPE gear and then we were locked in. No one could come beyond the locked door. We, the staff, were in there for days on end on our shifts. Uh, We only had each other to rely on. When we ended our shift, after 12 hours, we showered, put back on our normal outdoor clothes and left through a fire escape door as we weren't allowed to go through the main entrance. My husband was so worried about me at that time that his parting words each morning when he dropped me off was always, please mind yourself. So to be honest, I think the nurses, care assistants and the janitors, they're the catering staff and the cleaners, really deserve this once-off payment as a sign of appreciation. Because in February, March of 2020, we went home to our families knowing if we didn't do our hygiene regime at work, we could put them in danger of contracting the worst variant, which at the time was Alpha. Patricia, please, if you can read this email out on your show, but please keep my name anonymous. Thank you for taking the time to uh, read it. And I suppose summing up somebody who very much feels, and you can see from that, from what she says in that email, very much deserves that €1,000 pandemic uh, bonus but was quite taken aback at the number of others who were joining in saying that they should get it uh, as well. 0818 103 103 lines are open. Now yesterday there was a flurry of texts in from people saying when are we getting the €100 Euro off our electricity bills? When are the government going to give us that money? Do I need to apply for it? Some other listener uh, was uh, wondering and somebody else was saying do they need our bank account details so they can pay it straight into our, our bank account? Well, the Every householder in the state will get this 100 uh, euro. It's now expected that it will be by the end of March. There isn't an exact time frame, but it's hoped that every household will have received the 100 euro by by the end of March of this year. What's now happening is a bill has to be brought into the doll. They'll bring that... bill into the doll in February with the goal of having it passed by the Oireachtas by the end of that month and I did hear on our news as well they were talking about they're going to ask the opposition to you know don't do anything to block this bill which I can't see the opposition uh, doing so they're going to ask the opposition to get it through as quickly as possible and to waiver for example the pre-legislative scrutiny in order to speed up the passage then it's expected that all domestic electricity accounts holders will benefit from the cut as I say sometime towards the end of March the 100 euro credit 
is actually going to be a little bit more because it, it that excludes VAT. So there'll be VAT on top of that. So each account holder, you'll actually get €113.50 because we pay so much VAT on our electricity. So there's an added little bonus to getting the VAT off it uh, as well. In a small number of cases where a tenant's landlord pays the utility bill, and that does happen in some cases, the Residential Tenancy Board will be tasked with handling disputes. That's if any renter says that they haven't seen the saving passed on to them. And I'm assuming that very few tenants will, or very few landlords will do that. They will pass it on to their uh, tenants. The plan for the €100 Euro credit for all householders, we know it's part of the government's response to spiralling energy costs the rising price of natural gas and that's used to generate more than half of the electricity we use in this country. We also then have had added to that it's almost like a perfect storm. There was low wind uh, speeds and then there was temporary power plants had to be shut down. All of that has combined and it's drove up uh, energy costs in the state last year. Most energy suppliers announced multiple hikes last year. It wasn't just one. There was multiple hikes. So everybody is expecting the bill that you're going to get in, the kind of the after Christmas bill, the December, January one. They are probably going to be the highest electricity bills we have ever paid uh, because, it, again, it's going to be a perfect storm. We all have a tendency to use more electricity during those uh, two months and you add to that that electricity has been rising. So it's certainly not going to come off the cost of the December-January bill. It'll be more than likely it'll come off the February-March bill. But the basic message coming from the government is they're working on the legislation. Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, he's bringing the memo to uh, Cabinet and he's doing that today. And then the credit will be paid directly to your energy provider so you won't have to apply for it. I'm imagining that your electricity bill will either arrive in the post or you'll get it online and you'll see the credit then up on your bill but it'll come in at €113.50 but no, you don't have to apply for it. And the other question that we keep getting in are people who do the the pay-as-you-go electricity. I don't quite know how they're going to do that but if you are on pay-as-you-go you will be included as well. I'm assuming some kind of credit will be put on to your meter. I'm assuming they're going to have to do something like that but people who do pay as you go or have a meter for pay as you go you are also going to receive that €100 and the €13.50 which is the VAT but I think it's the people who are renting from a landlord where the landlord pays your your utility bill you really are the ones are going to have to make sure that the saving is passed on to you but if it isn't don't worry the Residential Tenancy Board will be there to help you out Some of your thoughts coming into us Jim is with Dan in Mallow in that he doesn't like the look of the new boardwalk at Mallow Bridge. I suppose it's individual choice at this stage, is it not? I was talking about the price of electricity. Somebody's saying everything seems to have gone up in price and this listener is giving an example of different uh, prices of items and how they vary. There's different prices in different shops. 
uh, people need to really be careful where they're spending their money and see the difference in prices of items. Everything seems to be going up. And Marion Rathcool is reacting to the nurse who sent the email in outlining why she and other healthcare workers are deserving of the bonus, the €1,000 bonus. She wasn't a nurse. She works in the in the catering and cleaning section of an acute hospital. Uh, but she was speaking, I suppose, on behalf of all frontline workers who actually worked in the cold face of the pandemic and why they are very deserving of the €1,000 bonus. Well, Mary in Rathcool disagrees and makes the point that all of those who went to work in acute hospital settings or worked in COVID wards, they were getting paid to do their job. If they didn't want to work at the time, they should have taken a career break. Mary says as a grandmother, she's been doing the same amount of work in a caring role right throughout the pandemic. And she said, I won't be getting the €1,000 bonus. But she said, not that I, I, I don't even want it. She said, I get my pension. Everyone is just jumping on this bandwagon looking to get paid free money. The politicians need to be quiet about all of this. If they want to pay frontline staff, they should have done it quietly. No one should get offered the money as everybody who went out to work during the p- pandemic regardless of if you were a frontline worker working in the cold face on a COVID ward at the end of the day everyone got paid for going to work says uh, Mary and for that reason she is very much against the paying of this €1,000 pandemic uh, bonus uh, Thank you Mary 0818 103 103 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie Now, figures released by the HSC to Sinn Féin show that almost 5,000 people nationwide are waiting for a carer to be allocated to them, with 651 of those people living here in Cork. Cork East Sinn Féin Dáil Deputy Pat Buckley joins me. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Patricia, and and a happy new year. And many happy returns. Now, behind these figures are real people. Is it a shortage of carers or is it a funding issue or what is going on? Uh, From what we've learned, it's more of a a funding issue between, you know, I suppose your standard HSE carers, then you have your private sector carers. And we must remember a lot of these carers, you know, that are actually doing work are doing it for free as well because they're family members. And it's trying to get a balance and clarity for these people, you know, to, to provide home care for these people that need it. And especially most of those things we've had this COVID pandemic, those most vulnerable, I suppose, the elderly and those with disabilities have been suffering the most. I mean, look, my own mother is 75. She only retired two years ago. So that can tell you, you know, how bad the system is. And... What's going to actually happen here is, you know, these people, if they can't have the independence to live at home, they're going to need uh, internal care, whether it's going to be in our hospitals or in private nursing homes. And that's going to stretch us even more. And those figures that I mentioned, the almost 5,000 nationwide and 651 here in Cork, are these people who've been identified as needing carers or have been identified as needing a home care package? Absolutely. And the majority of those have actually been approved but they actually can't get people to actually carry out the service. So obviously, you know, as I said, a lot of people that provide this home care um, are retirees. And obviously, by doing too many hours, it affects the, their pension or whatever payments they're on. So I think there has to be a, a full rejig and a kind of a common sense approach here. I mean, 
if you look at the cost of keeping a person in their home compared to keeping them in a possible nursing home for the week, I can guarantee anywhere between 1200 and 1900 euros a week is not the cost to keep somebody to live at home. Yeah, and there's been a shortage of people available to do this type of work. This can be very tough work. And let's be honest, paying conditions is not, they're, they're not great. Yeah, and you're spot on there. Do you know what? But sometimes the work can be very, very enjoyable. And I, I've listened to my own mother over the years, you know, going through, through different people and getting attached to them. And most of these carers that are actually providing the service go above and beyond what they're even paid for. And I mean, I think the government, even the last last 10 years, have not realised, you know, and, and should be realising that we are an ageing population, that the demand is coming, but there never seems to be a plan. And are some people stuck in hospital beds unable to go home because the staff isn't there for the home care package? Again, that is another issue, yes, and, and it does happen, and more so with the disability sector, again, from chronic underfunding over the years. And again, it's clogging up other services and other beds. And, you know, it's about the importance, hopefully, that we'll all live to be a good age, you know. But, I mean, there's nothing better or nothing more proud than to have your own independence and live at home. Well, that's what With people want. Absolutely. That's Nobody what, that's what people, people want. Um, and, as, and as you've outlined, it's much cheaper to keep people at home. But even cheaper wouldn't even be the word, Patricia. Let's be honest here. For those people to have, you know, some mentality, have pride in themselves, not feel like they're a burden on the state. And yet, when these people reach out for a little help, it's not astronomical. They're being left down by the state. And I also worry if the almost 5,000 people nationwide are those that have been approved. The true figure is probably even higher. Well, we've said that to ourselves already. Those are the ones that have actually applied. I mean, look, we're coming out of COVID now. A lot of people were working from home and we're probably looking after their elderly parents or siblings or whatever, that's going to change dramatically now in the next couple of months because people will be returning to work and they'll find that when they do apply for the home carers package, the majority will probably be approved, but unfortunately they will be approved for um, something that's not actually there. What do you believe... misinformation. Okay, so what do you believe are possible solutions? I think, look, there's enough of people out there, you know, retired nurses and so on and so forth, we have the private sector, we have the public sector. I think there has to be dialogue between the lot. Come up with a proper balance of pay, but also a common sense approach. You know, let it be tax deductible or let it be tax free once it doesn't interfere with people and balance out what it actually costs to keep somebody at home independently and what it costs to put them into a nursing home or put them into one of the hospital. And I could say safely that even that a random guess is said be three quarters of the money cheaper. But on top of that, we'll have a better society, a safer society, a more independent society. And, you know, it might restore some bit of, um, I suppose, trust in the service because, as I said, I mean, we have a very crippled um, health service as it is. But, I mean, when you're coming to the end of your years, I mean, surely the least that you'd expect to have a right to live independently or have a right to support so you can, you know, give to the best of your ability without being an overburden on the state and all you're looking for here, you know, is more of a helping hand. You're right, the rates are very, very poor. I mean, in some cases it can be just a little over the minimum wage. People will get more money if they went to work in a supermarket. I was just going to say it or one of the fast food store outlets or whatever, you're dead right. And I mean, 
look, a lot of these people that do this work, you know, they do it out of, I suppose, more of empathy. Yeah, they're caring people. They're yeah. you know, about the nature of what the, yeah. the jobs and, that and they do. Said, but uh, we constantly hear, Pat, from... I mean, we still we still call them home helps. I think everybody affectionately yeah. calls them uh, home helps. And we constantly hear from home helps. Those, I, I don't know if it's the same in the HSE, but certainly in the private sector, that they don't get travel expenses. And they can be asked to go. They could be looking after one woman in in one part of town. They might then have to get to the other side of town or maybe out into a rural area to visit their next client. And they're expected to cover the cost of that themselves. And I know later on in the programme I'm taking a look at how fuel costs have gone up for people who are heading back to work now that it's the return to the to the office after the lifting of, of restrictions and people returning to work are suddenly noti- noticing, goodness me, how much more they're paying on petrol or diesel than they did, say, two two years ago when they were commuting in and out of the, out of the office. But carers are, have to pay, in many cases, are paying for that out of their own pocket. That's simply not fair. Yes, and you're spot on, and more so in rural areas, as, as you know, like even go West Cork, North Cork, whatever. You could be three quarters of an hour, an hour away from the next patient. And on top of that, I mean, this 15 minutes or half an hour to get somebody ready in the morning is not satisfactory. Oh, well, don't, don't get me started on that yeah. half hour allocation. Yeah. You're, you're, barely, I mean, I you're barely in the door saying good morning to the person, how are you doing? Yeah. And it's nearly time for you to get out again. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, a lot of them, as I said, they have empathy and they go well above and beyond that. But you're right. This is where people, the whole sector, private and public, have to sit down, come up with a universal plan. Let's try and all work together. I mean, it shouldn't be about pitting who gets the higher wages or, you know, who gets the better service. This should be a universal service where everybody is treated on the basis of their needs. And let society, I mean, look, there has to be enough money there to cover the cost of this because we don't. The knock-on effect here, as I always say, but it's an action, there's an instant reaction. And if you can't keep somebody, you know, allow somebody to live independently at home, they have no other opportunity to go into nursing homes or go into one of the hospitals. And you know what's happening at the moment. But some nursing homes and some health centres are starting to close up. You know, this issue don't want to occur. There's another one, simple, just temporary. But they're actually trying to close. When it's actually, we should be investing in these services. And we have the trained staff in those as well. So it's backwards we're going at the moment. Yeah, and we need to make it more attractive for younger people. We can't be always relying on retirees uh, to do this uh, job. Mary wants to know, how much does a home help get from the HSE? How much do they earn an hour? Do you know Do you know the difference between somebody working from home help and, and a private? I, I, think it's, I think there's not much in the difference. I think it's around 10.21 an hour, which is still, you know... 10.21? Don't quote me in it, but I think it's somewhere around that. OK, but within the HSC, they do get paid they get, travel. They get higher. They get they higher. Get higher. OK, and they yeah. get travel expenses, where they if you're working for, for a yeah. private company, yeah. uh, you don't. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. it's, about, it's about trying to get the joint up thinking, Patricia. And the biggest problem here we have is this government doesn't seem to have the capability of a common sense approach, planning for the future. We, we carry out sense this country every so many years, right? So we know, and they're well aware that we have an aging population here. And yes, there seems to be, you know, a systemic failure to plan for the future. With the same with people with disabilities, we get it off the census. We get it off the census. How many people would be, you know, looking for primary and secondary school? We should be using that data to plan ahead. But at the moment, it just seems to be typical. How many times have I had this conversation with you, Patricia, where I've said that we're a reactive society 
bit of a proactive society that we should be planning for the future. Because we know what's coming down the road or we can predict what's possibly coming down the road and try and address it and not be reactive, you know, when it comes to a sudden stop. We're wondering how we get into this situation. Yeah, here's when the, when the flags are up. Yeah, Amanda's sharing a story. Uh, she's agreeing with you that there's just a massive issue with this public, uh, this waiting list, people getting allocated a home care package and then no carers available. She's helping out a family at the moment uh, where it's uh, the, the mother's gone and the father has a number of health issues and requires a carer. There are two sons of school going age in the house one of the sons nearing the is at the end of his teens and his and school is in an important academic year I'm assuming he's, he's in leaving search the young man yep. is working in a local takeaway to try to help fund the household and to top up whatever allowance the father is receiving they're two very good good kids who are doing their best to help out their dad but their dad is, has a lot of health issues and he obviously has been allocated home care package but they just haven't uh, received it if they had a carer it would certainly help take some of the pressure off those young lads I mean that's that's a a shocking that's a shocking situation for that family to be in and and it's not it's not a one-off situation yeah that's reflected around the country and the meals and wheels are providing a very good service only for them you know people more people will be in trouble St. Vincent de Paul and other voluntary sectors that are there I mean you know they all have to be joined up I mean, I, I can't understand we have we have to pit one the other. or one section against the other, then we cannot come together. I think the best we have seen actually was somewhere down, I think it's around Cantor, where they have all the sporting clubs in one complex, and it makes sense. They all pool their resources together. You have your tennis, your basketball, your GAA, your rugby, everything inside the one centre, and it works. Okay, listen, and just where we have you on the line, any update on Ona Cara at the mental health facility in Middleton? Uh, I put in a number of questions I've raised and I'm going in for top conditions on it. The health committee is meeting today, so I've been on to a couple of members there this morning to see uh, can we know with COVID restrictions lifted that we can get a delegation down to have a look at us. But um, not a lot of progress yet, Patricia Honest. Are the residents uh, still I'm there? Fearful. I think that's the fear of the locals and certainly the fear of the families that are terrified that yeah, if it absolutely. closes it, it, it won't come back Alright listen keep us informed if there's any update on, on that uh, issue Pat and in the meantime thank you for joining us and thank you very much. God bless yeah, you. Yeah, good morning to you. That is Cork East Sinn Féin Dáil Deputy Pat uh, Buckley joining us. And can I say thank you to Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear, who's got a great memory now in fairness, who says, Patricia, good morning to you and congratulations to C103 on your 32nd birthday. Yes, uh, C103, 31 years on air today. Congratulations to the founding fathers, says Michael, to all the programme producers, the many presenters down through the years and up to the present day who kept the show on the road. To those who've gone to their great rewards, may they rest in peace. Keep up the good work, Patricia, and all of your crew, especially the ever-faithful John Paul. Thanking you and us and Michael in Castletown Bear. And thank you, uh, Michael, for your kind words. That's by WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. 
Court Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A number of property owners in Formoy Town haven't been able to seek compensation for a systems failure that caused flood damage nearly a year ago now, as they're still awaiting a report from the Office of Public Works. Joining me with more in this story is Formoy Councillor Noel McCarthy. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose we need to go back and remind us what happened on the night of February the 24th last year. That's right, Patricia. There was a a bad storms and floods. And as you know, we have um, flood barriers now and we have a flood. um, The OPW did a flood defences 2011 and 2013 and we're flood protected, which is we had previous floods and they walked and we're so happy with them. But on 40 on the night of the 24th February, 2021, one of the pumps that didn't work, it didn't kick in, malfunctioned, and unfortunately, as you said there in your opening address, four, four business people and uh, a private house in Brainborough Square and Rackley Road had water came in, so they were flooded. That was unfortunate. And we, I remember going down the day after to see some of the premises, and it, it was devastating for them because, as you can imagine, they thought they were flood protected, and previous floods they had no problems whatsoever. But this was just a fall. It happened. And unfortunately, we have to learn lessons from it. And we have, because in the last flood, everything worked perfect. And it was checked, both manually, and the pump kicked in itself. So it was just so unfortunate this happened. And um, if the pumps had kicked in, that flooding wouldn't have happened in Brownbrew Square? Without a doubt. It, it, like, as I say, in previous floods, this pump kicked in. And the flood after it, which just happened, I think... Um, uh, one of the storms there before Christmas, it worked again and the council gave us a report back there. They were so happy that the pump worked and it was being checked manually as well. So like, this wouldn't have happened with this, uh, only for this problem with the pump there. It was just so unfortunate. And as you can imagine, these people were devastated when they saw damage, flooding, which they didn't expect and uh, this to happen. So it brought them, and then they made their claims and they had contacted their insurance company and they're still waiting, as you said now. Okay, and if my memory serves me right, it was something to do with a sensor that failed. And when the sensor yes. failed, then that failed. To, the, the, the sensor should have worked, which should have activated the pumps. Wasn't it something like that actually happened? Exactly, exactly. The sensor didn't kick in to put the timer on the pump, so the pump would work, and it just didn't happen. As I said, another flood since, it has worked again, and we're delighted with it, and it's been checked. And it's just an unfortunate instance that happened, but devastating to the people that are happy. So why are those businesses and the householder, they have to wait for the OPW to complete some kind of a report, is it? That's right. No, see, there's a, since then there's been other, uh, other um, clarific, we need clarification on that because we will contact both myself and my colleague, Councillor Leary, on behalf of the business people to make, uh, to, to make inquiries on their behalf. I was absolutely stunned, which I said at the meeting, to say that they haven't been paid yet, nearly 12 months later. And I said, what's the hold of And they told us that, that they were told by their people that are representing them, their engineers, that they're waiting on a report from the OPW before the next stage will come of payment and so on. And we, we found that out. We saw what we did at our last Northern meeting just over a week ago, a week yesterday. We asked, we put a motion down, asking to, to clarify what's the delay with the report from the OPW. And we had support from all our colleagues at the meeting and that they would write to the OPW and get a, 
clarification and a letter back to say what the holdup was. But as you can see from the reports in the paper, the papers made their own inquiries since and they were told by the OPW that they had nothing to do with it. It was Cork County Council. So as you can imagine, we're confused it's now. It's just passing well. it's just passing the book. Exactly, Patricia. And I said that what report would you need even to say that a pub didn't work, it was unfortunate, the censor didn't kick in. What report would you need to wait for 12 months to get that done? And I said that at the meeting, that it just didn't make sense that it's like red tape here coming in again and passing the book and leaving these people wait and wait. And how long more must they wait? And that was what we asked. And who will those business owners and that householder, who will they get compensation from? Is it their own private insurance? No. No. To be either the OPW, we're thinking our national or government insurance, or Cork County Council will be pay them and be compensated so by one or the other again. Because it was a systems failure. Exactly. Okay. They had no fault of theirs. None whatsoever. So they like they thought they were flood protected like the rest of the town was on the night. Both the north side and the south side were fully protected except for Brian Blue Square and the people that this pump didn't kick in. But the rest of the town was full flood protected. I had no incidents on that night on the 24th. So By the way, is, do do people in Fomoy have any problems getting flood insurance? Absolutely, nearly. Uh, any people that were flooded before find it impossible. Yeah, e- even 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 with all the money that was put into the flood defences, I mean, I think it was thirty million was spent in in Fomoy. They're still having problems. Without a doubt, Patricia, and that's another problem. Like I think it was thirty-seven million. I think we nearly spent on the two both schemes, both flood uh, the north side and the south side, and. They are not. They won't even get a quote in some instances to be insured because they did say there is a chance that flooding could happen. And I suppose their case was made when the pump mal- the malfunction or the sensor didn't work, so approved the insurance company that instances like this could happen. And I suppose that's what we are saying. How do we get past this now? Because it's not fair for these people not to get insured or even get a quote for that matter. But very unfair on the on the businesses and on the people who uh, were were flooded. To say now it's almost uh, a year ago. So you're now waiting on. Well, this is the next class. But no, I, I'm hoping at our February meeting of the Northern uh, meeting that we get a reply back from the OPW. And if they tell us that exactly what they told the papers, well, then we have a different problem. Then Cork County Council, the officials there, will be demanding that they give us an update on the situation. And why they didn't tell us we were wasting our time right to the OPW, we'll be asking them questions as well. I can assure you. Okay. But we have to wait for the letter, a formal letter to come back. Okay, well, keep us informed. And just while I have you on the line, this came in yesterday from Mary in Fromoy. She was wondering about the artificial grass that had been put down on Patrick Street in Fromoy during the pandemic, and now it's gone. And she's wondering why was it taken up and where is it gone? Well, look, it was taken up because we put it on for a project that, as you can imagine, with social distancing in the, in the COVID and early, 2020, early 2020, we put it on. There was, you know, social distancing was a big thing. It was, it was a worry. So a project that came in in all towns in County Cork and all over the country. That's where and the we parklets were, were built and stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and we put down the grass and parklets right you now. People had their own opinions on that. And I, I, my opinion on that was, like the biggest part of that was not communicating with the business people that were affected by it at the, uh, when it was put down. But I think we have to, we have learned lessons from that since. And where it's gone now, it's in the council yard. But it has been used. I want to use it's been used actually by the street theatre group that did a, 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 a day before Christmas, maybe September, October, a 
great success on Death Valley, and they used the green grass in the road. So it was used, and, it, and it's there to be used again. So it is, it is reusable? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Normally, because certain events, because you know you have to use them for certain events, like you know, um, open air things and on the streets or street closures or something like that. But it can be used. Um, and please God, as we head into spring and summer, and with restrictions being lifted and everybody trying to get back to some kind of normality, please God, there will be like festivals where you could use it, for example, in the summer months. Exactly, yeah, because be now, thank God, as you said yourself, things are lifting and hopefully you get back to normal soon. That grass or that section of grass is there to be used and if anyone wants it, they only have to contact the council okay. and so they'd be very obliged to help out in any way. Is there a sense of positivity in Fomoy with the, what was announced last yeah. Friday? There was. I, I, I was in Fomoy on Saturday night and Sunday and there was a great buzz, a great buzz around the town. And like, you can say what you want, but it was great to see the young people out enjoying themselves. It really was. They were locked in long, long enough and they were out enjoying it and they felt it was like relief off everyone's shoulders and the business in the town were very busy and it was great to see. Patricia. Yeah, yeah. And as I keep saying, I know there are people anxious and nervous, but it's we're really now into personal responsibility. If you if you want to go out and you're confident enough to go out, do. And for everybody else, do it at your own pace. Just, you know, exactly. do it at your own pace. It's, you can still enjoy your night if you want to wear your mask and if your feet more comfortable. Yeah. I think you should do that. Yeah. But, yeah. but even, like, it's great to see the bit of buzz. And I met people up last night. I was up in the Tidy Towns project last night and we met people walking the street and they were telling us, oh, it was so good to be back, trying to get back to normal. And they were so happy. Yeah, I I thought when I spoke with Michael O'Donovan of the Vintners Federation uh, um, in Cork City, I just thought his his description of people now being allowed to sit at the bar and people, particularly older people, interacting with each other and chatting and catching up. And just he painted a lovely picture and and that's been reflected all over the country as well. Okay, listen, listen, Noel, look after yourself and thanks for joining us. And good, thank you. good morning thank you. to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Fine Gael, uh, councillor in Formoy, Noel uh, McCarthy. The next star, uh, we'll catch up with some of your comments coming into the programme. But we're also going to be asking the question should child benefit be taxed for high income earners? It's a universal payment, it's paid to everybody that has a child in this country up to the age of 18. But it's going to everybody from paupers to princes. Should people who are on the high or earnings, should they be paying tax on their children's allowance? Your thoughts welcomed on that. Oh, 0818103103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This uh, is Tim in West Cork has been on to say, Hi Patricia, I just got a text to say that my new COVID certificate is ready online. Obviously, Tim has received his booster, but I don't have a computer. Is there a number I can ring? There is a number you can ring. I know the advice that the Department of Health who issue the COVID certs have been given to people. Uh, they're saying, try your best if you know somebody who could go online for you, but maybe you don't, uh, Tim. There is a number, it's one 800 807 It's 1-800-807-008. The last time we were calling out that number, we were getting messages and calls from people saying that they you will have to have a lot of patience, Tim. We had people saying that they were waiting anything up to an hour and more to get through to people and people were getting very frustrated. They were waiting and then the phone call was getting disconnected. The only thing I'll say about the COVID certificates, you don't now need the COVID certificates uh, in to go into any 
restaurant or cafe or bar anymore. The only thing now that the COVID certificates are relevant for is if you're planning on doing international travel, Tim. So unless you're going abroad, you may not need to even get the new updated COVID certificate. But if you want to get one, you don't have anyone who can help you out to do it online in 1-800-807-008. And they are issuing text messages to people if there isn't an email account through which when you went for your booster if they don't have an email account linked to it that's why people are getting text messages I think something like 800,000 people have received text messages but they are encouraging everybody the easiest way is to try and do it online now we spoke about carers and in particular home helps in the last hour and how there's such a shortage of them and what can we do about it and what do we need to do about it and hard to believe you know these 5,000 people who have been they've gone through the process they have been deemed eligible that they need home care packages and 5,000 of them on waiting list because there simply isn't home helps available in their area to go to do the work that is needed. One home helper, help carer from the Mallow area says, please don't call out my name, which we won't, saying we as home helps would provide more hours if something could be sorted out about the amount of hours we can work before it affects our social welfare payment. A lot of home helps are working, they're on a social welfare payment, they're allowed to do so many hours of work without it affecting the payment and if they go over that then that's what happens they get a cut on their social welfare and it just doesn't pay them then in the end uh, to work so again we're back to the point I was making with Deputy Pat Buckley it's the terms and conditions for home helps that that absolutely needs to be needs a complete overhaul but there's that's a point that I didn't raise with Pat people who are afraid that it's going to affect their actual social welfare, their weekly payment. And then Michael is on about carers saying, Patricia, I'm resending you a text that I sent last year, but it's as relevant today as it was when I sent it to you last year. It says, hi, Patricia, staffing problems are currently raising its health in the healthcare services. But the most dangerous looking situation at the moment uh, in time is that in five to 10 years time, there won't be a healthcare service in this country. The numbers are simply not there. People are not being trained for the jobs. It is a profession that's been ignored by successive governments. They're low paid and they're not respected by uh, governments. Thanking you. That's why yeah, at 100% I agree with you. We need to do a complete overhaul of how that home, that whole, the whole uh, home care package how it works to try to keep people in their homes for as long as possible. Can I give a shout out to tell you that There's a half price sale taking place in St Vincent de Paul's shop in Bantry and it's on all this week. If you want to grab yourself a bargain, St Vincent de Paul's shop in Bantry and good luck to everybody working there. Number of texts coming in to do with the Kerry babies. This was because the programme that was on last night, Crimes and uh, Confessions, and I think the nation was glued watching the final episode of this uh, programme and it took us back to a very different Ireland really to 1984 when the body of a newborn baby that later went on to be called John, simply referred to as John was washed up on White Strand in Carcivine and for any of you that watched the programme uh, last night, it really was jaw-dropping. Even those of us who were of the age that remembered it all happening at the time. The one part that I found most poignant and actually made me cry was the undertaker's daughter talking about uh, how his her father had the responsibility of burying um, this little baby. 
and how he was the one that christened the baby and he was the one then who named it uh, John and how the night before the funeral, which I assume very few people, probably maybe only himself attended, I don't know who else attended that funeral of that little uh, baby John and how he stayed in the funeral home with him because he didn't want baby John to be on his own and I just thought what a caring kind man and you could even hear it in his daughter's voice and she was only a teenager at uh, the time and I think I'm open to correction but I think it was the undertaker who put up the little headstone where it says you know this is where baby John is uh, buried and then of course that then led to the Kerry babies and that then led to what what shockingly happened to Joanna Hayes and to the rest of her family being charged with uh, the murder the following month she was charged with uh, in uh, a month and it was just absolutely shocking of course she was cleared of all charges and the case was uh, dropped and then we had that inquiry into how the Gardaí managed to get five different people all from the same household to have them in five separate rooms in Trinigar the station and get all of them to confess to a crime they couldn't possibly have committed because there was absolutely no scientific evidence that linked that baby to Joanna Hayes or to the Hayes family. It was just absolutely shocking. Some of your thoughts coming in. Uh, Dan says, is it not reasonable to demand that the pensions of those Kerry babies, Gardaí, should be cancelled. To watch, and I can't use that word, Dan, on air, um, the guy, Carol, who was on the programme last night, to say he got on like a house on fire with Joanne Hayes was infuriating. Of course, nothing will be done by the powers that be. Neither will you hear any TDs condemn them. I were, I'm raging over it, says uh, Dan. Someone else, Margaret, says, what torture that unfortunate Hayes family went through. The detectives involved all went on then to be promoted and then to think two of them sued Joanne Hayes later for liable. Margaret would go so far as to say they should all be in jail. With all the work that they did, did they ever find the murderer of baby John? Or did they ever find out who was the mother of baby John? It all came across as such shoddy work. They just pried on the decent Hayes family because that was the easier option. And no, Nobody was ever came forward to say that they were the mother of uh, baby John. Uh, and obviously because of that, no one was ever found guilty of because John Harbison, the late John Harbison, he was the state pathologist at the time and he conducted the postmortem uh, examination and he reckoned that baby John was alive for about five days. He reckoned he was a five day old uh, baby and then when he was discovered, when the body was discovered, he was dead for about two days at that stage. But he had been with somebody for five days. So are there people in the, you're assuming it was somebody in the area, but maybe it was somebody who travelled to the area. We'll never know. And I imagine now we'll never know unless somebody um, makes a deathbed confession. I don't think we'll ever find out what has happened to a baby John. But certainly it had absolutely nothing at all to do with the Hayes family. It was just such a shocking, shocking uh, story. 0818103103 on the 100 euro or the 1000 euro pandemic bonus that we've been hearing about this morning because of that 
email that we had in from somebody who worked in an acute hospital, particularly in the early stages of the pandemic, and actually picked up COVID herself, and then the fear factor of going to work every day. And she feels very much she's with the catering side of it and the cleaning side of it. And she feels everybody deserves who worked in the cold face of COVID deserves the uh, payment. But then Mary, one of our listeners, felt no, that everybody, you know, everybody did their bit and there shouldn't be a payment given to anyone. Uh, Texter says, Patricia, the nurses are entitled to this €1,000 payment. I know they got paid, which was the point that Mary and Rathcool made, but they worked long hours in very dangerous conditions. By the way, I don't have any relations who are nurses, but I simply just have great respect for them. So I don't agree with Mary from Rathcool saying that nobody should get this uh, payment. And hi, Patricia. I've got, this texter's got a suggestion for the government. Scrap the €1,000 pandemic bonus and instead cut everyone, every working person's income tax and do it for the next three years. That way, everybody would be treated the same as after all, there was the mantra, we're all in this together. And it would have three different pluses. One, it's the working person who paid the pandemic bonus to all of the people who couldn't work. It wasn't the people who were drawing social welfare. So the people back at work would get the benefit of it. Two, they would, this would get people back to work. And thirdly, people will spend the extra cash they receive in their local economy uh, and because it will be put into people's accounts through their wages. So it would be a win-win all round. Would others agree with that? So scrap the €1,000 pandemic bonus, which is going to cost, I think, €100 million. Now, by cutting everybody's income tax, though, would the government say that that would cost even more than €100 million? But I do see the point you're making. There would be a win-win in that certainly local economies would probably benefit and it probably would get more people back to work. But would people be in agreement with that? Everybody would get a bit out of it by cutting everybody's income tax just for the next three years and then you would revert back to where we where we are now. Your thoughts on that? 0818 103 103. Hi Patricia, I'm just wondering if you've got Christmas stamps left over. Can you use them on letters now? Absolutely. And I tell you, this Christmas when I was sending off all my Christmas cards, I discovered that I had a book of stamps left over from the previous year. It had somehow got put away with Christmas cards that were left over and I used those stamps a year later. So yes, those those stamps are valid. You'll be able to use them no problem at all. And I know certainly here to the radio station throughout the year, as the year goes on, we'll always, every now and again, a letter will arrive in, it might be in the middle of the summer and it'll be with a Christmas card stamp on from the from the previous Christmas. So yeah, you have no problem at all uh, using it. And then someone else is saying, hi Patricia, just wondering, has anybody else noticed that the listing on TV, now this listener is calling it the Airtel page, but Airtel is gone, but you know the TV listings that you, you find on your TV to see what programmes are coming up, that they're not listing TG Cahar or any of the Virgin Media channels. No, I haven't noticed that myself. Has anybody else noticed that? They, on the, the listener is saying it's the Airtel page, no listings for TG Cahar are in the Virgin Media, Media Challenge. They were there and they suddenly disappeared. Has anybody else noticed that or does anybody else know why? 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. MD O'Shea, they're recruiting an assistant manager. It's for their Balancolic store. You email ssimcox at mdoshea.ie. A volunteering coordinator is required for the North Cork area. Full clean driver's licence and own car is essential. Email goconnor at ballyhowers.org. 
driver wanted for immediate start. That's in the North Cork area. Applicants must be over 25. You need to have a full clean driver's license. And you also, if you're calling, please wait to call after 6 p.m. to 085 2411 And the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, they're looking for a full time duty manager. And they're also looking for full and part time bar and waiting staff. Kieran is your contact at the High B 022 58200. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. A submission by the main employers organisation, IBEC, recommends that child benefits be taxed for higher income families but kept at the same rate for those on low incomes. To talk about the importance of this payment to single parent families, I'm joined by advocacy group Spark, which is single parents acting for the rights of kids. And I'm joined from Spark by Louise Bayless. Good morning to you, Louise. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks you're, very much for having well, me on. You're very welcome. Now, child benefit or children's allowance, as a lot of people still refer to it, is a universal payment and it's paid for all children in the state. Should it remain the way it is? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's the one recognition that women have, and it's generally women, for the care work that they do. A lot of women are forced out of paid labour, as you know. Even though we don't have the marriage ban anymore, the cost of childcare and the realities of trying to manage a house and children, a lot of women come out of paid employment. And the only recognition they have of the work that they do is that child benefit payment. And it's psychological as well as the financial need. And also every child in the country deserves to be treated fairly. It's it's the concept of every child born is entitled to regardless of who or how they are. And that universality of it takes away the stigma of people going to the post office and collecting it. They don't feel they're on social welfare. This is just a benefit that their child is entitled to. Um, and then also from a really strong point of view, we know domestic abuse and domestic violence happens in all socioeconomic backgrounds. Just because their family is high income earning does not mean that money filters down to whole, the whole family. And in some cases, that child benefit is the only independent money that some people have access to. That's and I wouldn't point. be taxing that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because at the moment, it's, it's, not, it's not taxable at all. Sure it's not. No, it's not taxable. And it, in general, it goes into the woman's... Um, well, either it's in the woman's name, so she can either put it into her own bank account or it can be collected in the post office. And, it, and, and as I said... There, we know domestic abuse and financial abuse is a huge thing as part of domestic abuse. And we know just because their family might be on a high income of 80 or 100,000 does not necessarily mean it's filtering all the way down. And having that independent source of money is, is a lifeline to some people. And we don't know what's going on in people's homes. And also, Patricia, and I think anybody who's looked in, in the history of our government over the last number of years, we know for a fact that do we really trust that if child benefit was taxed, that it would actually be ring-fenced and sent on early le- learning years. Yeah, because that was the suggestion from uh, IBEC. But, but were you surprised at, at the recommendation by IBEC to consider taxing it? Uh, I, well, I, I know that they want to reduce the cost of childcare because they see it now as a barrier to losing so much of their talented workforce and women because of the high cost of childcare. And I know that they're looking to reduce childcare and they don't want an increase in corporate tax or PRSI or anything else that we would do it. 
So they're looking to do it from the child benefit, which would be a personal taxation cost rather than a business cost. Um, so, no, in, in, in fairness, I'm not surprised they would do it because it, it's a way of reducing their costs. But I think it's an unfair way of doing it. Um, I think we don't we don't expect people on a pen and a you know a senior citizens pension to pay higher tax because they're going to use hospitals more. We don't expect people who have a disability to pay higher tax because of X, Y, Z. We as a society function as a society, and we accept there's certain costs we pay. And to be honest, early learning and early childcare should be the right of the child, and we as a society should accept that every child should have equal access to affordable quality childcare because we know that giving them that gives them a greater opportunity and, and, and lifts children out of poverty long term. So, you know, as a society, we should all just accept our burden of that. And, and just like when Donegal O'Malley 50 years ago, you know, 52 years ago at this stage, introduced second level education, it was transformative for society mm. and we accept that as the norm and that's where we need to get with them. Um, early learning for children. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the, the, okay, the, the child benefit, it's €140 Euro a month. How important is that payment to the single well, for, parents you well, represent? Well, for the lone parents, yeah, for, the, for our families, it is just crucial. And we know that it, uh, and, and people can criticise all they like, but it is a lifeline. The um, Vincentian Partnership does research every year on what is the minimum essential standard of living, like what would it cost to have your bag of tea bags. Nothing luxurious, just the basic living. And based on what a lone parent receives with a child, they would be €80 a week short of, of meeting their minimum income requirements to have a standard of living that's just acceptable in society. That €140, while it should go directed to the child, in reality, it's shoring up that gap and making sure that the lights are switched on. And even more so important this year, as we see the increase in, you know, there was a report yesterday of 5.7% inflation increase in the, just alone in the month of December. We've got um, fuel costs going up 22 and 23% for electricity and gas, respectively. And yet we've got, for a, a single parent, a €5 euro increase, and the same for pensioners, so anybody, and, and people on a disability payment. So anybody on that very fixed income, this is a lifeline, the child benefit, and it's keeping children fed. And I don't think any of us would want to, to deprive a child of the food. So, you know, and so we would be advocating very strongly that child benefit isn't touched. Yeah, we still yeah. always advocate that, you know, the qualified child increase, which is a specific payment who goes to, that goes to parents who are on social welfare, that that's targeted and, and indeed that's what has happened over the last few years where child benefits rates have stayed stagnant, the universal payment, and the targeted response to people on social welfare has increased, which if continues to happen will help lift the, our poorest children out of poverty, whereas at the moment our poorest children, the, the amount of children living in poverty is increasing. And it is a stain on our society, the fact that children are the poorest the under 18s are the poorest group in our society and it does a lot about our values. Yeah and I also think there is a fear that if you start taxing this payment or indeed if you start taxing any any, uh, payment it one day then becomes taxable for everybody. Absolutely isn't it? It's it's opening the floodgates as you said it starts off with a very reasonable uh, you know suggestion that it's for 
over 120,000 earnings and then it comes down and then it comes down and then it's the squeeze middle and you know so it is it's opening up a floodgate you know and and it is a dangerous concept and there is something nice about recognizing the care work that women do and many of them do it unsung heroes and 140 euro a month it's a psychological boost it's not going to you know make a huge difference to the fam- family coffers, but it's a psychological boost for women in those categories and certainly for women who are being financially abused. It's a lifeline. Okay, and as we start to coming out of restrictions and people trying to get lives back to some kind of normality, Louise, has the pandemic been particularly difficult on lone parents? The pandemic has been appalling. Um, one of the things that has come out recently, I mean, the pub payment was, was a great thing and it did help families lift out of poverty. But as society has opened up and what we're seeing is a lot of lone parents um, have been, you know, been either stuck at home because there was a child, close contact of a child in school. They they got diagnosed, or, you know, they were... They were um, close contact, so they had symptoms. And sometimes, as you know, just even being symptomatic, you get ma- you couldn't send your child back into school till you got the COVID test and then waited till you were symptom-free. If you're a, lo- a lone parent and you're you're missing that job, you, you, you're down to no income. The pup didn't kick in for those moments. The, the, um, dis- the disability payment, the enhanced disability illness benefit, that only kicked in if you yourself were out sick and you were diagnosed. So it didn't take into place when you couldn't work because of your children. So there's an awful lot of lone parents who are trying to do the dual role, very isolated. That One of the major things we find is that people talked about how isolated they were, you know, that they were on their own full time with children. And of course, obviously, during lockdown, that was even worse when, when schools were closed and trying to manage costs of the house where the heating was on longer, the children were bored. And you didn't have another adult to to do that, and then the financial, you know, the financial costs of it were um, you had to stay off work because your child couldn't go into school. The crash was closed. The school was closed. Your child was symptomatic. All of that reason has had a huge negative impact on people's finances, but definitely on the mental health. And then there was always the fear, and I, I, I'm the mother of a 13-year-old, so when lockdown happened first, she was 11, and a very much a lone parent, and the idea that um, I got sick was my fear was, yeah. what would happen to her? Yeah. Because I thought nobody would take her in, if, you know, because there was a much bigger fear about contracting COVID than there is now, and there was this fear, like, if I went into hospital, who would actually take her? Like, all my friends are very supportive in a normal time, but would they... You know, risk during a pandemic, yeah, 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 taking yeah. in my child, and and there was a real fear, and I know that was echoed throughout. You know, because in our closed Facebook group, these are the issues and concerns that would. You, and you that's know, what kept you. That's business. what kept you and other lone parents awake at night. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that I feared about my own safety or health, but my big fear was if I got sick and had to go into hospital. Who would look after her? Yeah, yeah. You know what very would happen gen- to very, her? Like a, very yeah, genuine fear. And then yeah. I know we're going to in a couple of minutes be talking about the advantages of uh, remote working for lone parents. Uh, remote working has has helped in many cases, and now suddenly yeah. some of them are, are going to be forced back into the office. Uh, and there's the, it's all kinds of implications like that. The simple one of being able to drop children in the morning and maybe nip out during the day to pick them up from uh, school. Yeah. 
school. Are you hoping yeah. that employers are going to take that into account? I think for, I think there's a lot of um, people have proven that they are capable of working from home and they're responsible and they're able to get that work-life balance. Um, so we really welcome the government's declaration that they're going to try to implement some type of working from home legislation, you know, that the option for flexibility is there. So hopefully that will continue because it has been a lifesaver. As you, as, as you said there, when you are a lone parent, for every appointment, it's you. You can't share the burden. And even in, in cases of grandparents, you've only one set of grandparents. So, <laughs> you know, you really have the resources that a two-parent family have. So, you know, if you just simple things like a parent-teacher meeting, a dental appointment, a this, a that, and suddenly, you know, your half your annual leave is just gone and doing these simple things. Whereas I know for myself over lockdown, um, I've been working from home and it's been brilliant to just change my lunch from instead of being one to two, going, I'm going to take my lunch two to three and I can go and collect her from school yeah. or I can go to the dentist appointment. My work actually hasn't suffered. I think it's improved because I'm not stressed about trying to get out in time. And in fairness, sometimes when I'm finishing a big project, I will work on till half six or seven. Whereas when I was in the office, I was you so left. time constricted because yeah. I was running home to get her from a childminder collector and I didn't have the laptop at home and I finished work. Now, in some ways, you think that was great. I finished work on time and that was it. And sometimes my work-life balance has you know gone over in the evenings and I'm working later but it does balance out because then the next day if she does have a doctor's appointment I say well I worked two hours last night I, I'm ahead of my work I can I can do that A lot of people will agree and, and identify with that Listen Louise we leave it there thank you for that and thanks for joining thanks us on the programme Good really morning to you Bye bye Bye-bye. Louise Bayliss there of uh, Spark which is Single Parents Acting for the rights of uh, kids. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. With the easing of COVID 19 restrictions by the Taoiseach last Friday, employers have been told they can start bringing staff back into the workplace. Uh, from this week. But what about those people who have enjoyed working remotely and want the opportunity to continue doing so? To discuss the benefits of remote working, I'm joined by Peter Walsh, who is the Centre Manager of Brook Park Business Centre in Dunmanway. And he is a member of Grow Remote West Cork. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. You're very welcome to the programme. Your group was set up, this Grow Remote was set up before the pandemic. Can you just outline to people what Grow Remote is? Well, Grow Remote is is a national organisation, a non-for-profit, which kind of promotes the idea and the concept of remote working. Um, Now, it's it's growing nationally. There's about 60 chapters at the moment. And I suppose with the growth of uh, remote working through the pandemic and obviously the addition of additional hubs here in West Cork, uh, the the different hubs came together and thought it was a good idea to join forces and to start a chapter in West Cork here to promote the concept of remote working, but also to support remote workers and employers. Has the pandemic very much proven that many businesses can operate remotely? Well, obviously, um, I, I think it, it took the pandemic to, to um, you know, for employers to see and employees that it can be done. 
um, you know, people can work efficiently. I think Louise, your your previous speaker there summed it up. Uh, it can it can often lead to to less stress, uh, better efficiency, and uh, you know better work practices. And and um, you know it, it it certainly has worked for a lot of employers. It's not it's not possible for every employer. We we understand that, but I think going forward, um, you know, a blended approach w- would be the best in the short term. Um, but it 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 definitely with IT advances. Um, you know, it's something that should be looked at seriously now uh, as a way forward. So what do you believe are the key advantages for both the employer and the employee? Well, I suppose not only for the employer and employee, but nationally as well. Um, obviously, economically, the cost of travel for the employee is down. Uh, you only have to look at the price of the pumps at the moment uh, to, to understand yeah. the, the cost of travel. Um, you know, obviously, uh, as Louise said there, like you're, you're rushing to work, you're rushing from work, uh, you know, stress levels are high, you're going to a job under, under stress, and, and, you know, when you're at home, um, you know, and obviously peace and quiet are working in, in, a, in a hub, um, you know, it, it, it can create better efficient, efficiencies. Um, you know, for, for the employer, in certain instances, it can cut down on costly office space. Um, you know, and and they benefit as well from the efficiencies of the employee working at, at home. Uh, I suppose nationally, if you look at the environmental impact of of congestion, um, you know, and people travelling unnecessarily when when they it has been shown that they can work def- effectively at home, that this is a win win all around, um, and and certainly it's something to be taken seriously. Um, you know, to resolve a lot of 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 the issues that we have, uh, you know, as a nation. We know that the government um, at the moment are, are legislating for the right yeah. of employers, employees to request home, home working, but they've yeah. rejected the calls to introduce a right to work from home. Instead, they're going to legislate for a right for employees to request home working. Would you prefer it if they had introduced the right to work from home? Well, I, I think we have to take this step by step, you know, and as I said, it's not... It's not always suitable for every employer, um, you know, and they, they have to operate in a certain way. But, um, like, they, they have recourse to the WRC if there are disputes, and there'll be lots of test cases now. But I think we should go softly into this. Um, you know, it's still a new concept. Uh, there's lots of things to be worked out. Uh, you know, there's health and safety issues at home, for example, um, you know, and there's obviously GDPR issues and, and, and other issues that have to be sorted out. So this this isn't something that should be rushed, but uh, in, in, let's just say encouraged. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, yeah, a small steps in the right direction uh, until both employers and employees find their feet and, and that, um, you know, it, it works its way through for the benefit of all. Yeah, certainly during the pandemic, we would have heard from a lot of workers working from home. A lot of people thought it was fantastic, thought their work-life balance was uh, great. But then on the downside, we heard from people who, and Louise again uh, touched on it, not being able to switch off. Yes. And working longer hours, feeling almost that they had to prove themselves. Is that a danger about remote working? Well, I mean, I suppose that's, that, 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 that has happened before. People were, you know, remote working or working at home, um, you know, um, and obviously with, with IT and mobile phone devices and, and uh, you know, there's legislation planned as well for the, the right to switch off. So, again, the, those things that are, are going to be worked through in time, um, but, um, you know, like the legislation will, will, will come into effect at some stage. 
so to, to protect people in that way. Yeah, you could be listen. You can be working in the office and get the same kind of burnout exactly. and not, not being able to switch exactly. off. And the other complaint I would have heard from some uh, listeners were people who worked from home felt isolated. Mm. and missed the banter and missed yes. the chats over the water cooler yeah. and inside in, yeah. in the canteen. Is Your group, Grow Remote, you work around that? Yeah, so I suppose, look, you, you have people who naturally were working in an office and, and they, they have found the switch uh, and I think a blended approach will, will help them in the, going back, you know, where they're in the, in the office a couple of days a week and working from home. But then you have a whole swathe of remote workers who don't have an office. There are a number of companies, uh, for example, Shopify, who don't actually have an office in Ireland and all their workers work remotely. So our our organisation and the reason for setting up uh, the West Cork chapter of Grow Remote is is to give them support, to give them a net networking opportunities. And the four hubs have come together. Uh, the Ludgate, uh, the Bantry Bay Works, uh, Brook Park here in the Manway, and the new hub in Clan, which will be opening shortly, uh, the Mixed Co-working Hub. And um, we'll offer them opportunities for networking, for meeting people in their area uh, virtually, but also we'll be hosting events um, as well in the different hubs so that, uh, you know, they can exchange stories, get to know people, and that, um, you know, they won't feel as, as isolated um, going forward, you know. And if there are people listening, uh, Peter, who really like the idea of what what you're selling, this idea of yeah. working remotely, can your organisation help them? Yeah, they're like the growremote.ie, they can go onto the website and there's different elements of the website. There's job pages, there's uh, education. You can do a mini course on, on what remote working is, the do's and don'ts, uh, you know, things, helpful tips. So if they go on to growremote.ie, that's the home website. And obviously, if they want to tune in to our coffee, virtual coffee morning on the 4th of February at 11 a.m., um, you know, it, it's open to everybody, just not not just remote workers, but members of the community, politicians. And, uh, you know, they can get involved in the conversation. Um, and anybody uh, who wants to find, yeah. out, find out more. And how do, how do you access the virtual coffee morning? Uh, you can go on to Eventbrite. It's a free a free event and you can register there okay. or you, you can contact any of the local hubs um, and we'll help you from there. And that's on Friday the 4th of uh, February. OK, listen, that's we'll correct. keep in contact with you, uh, Peter. And in the meantime, we wish you luck with uh, Remote, Grow Remote at uh, West Cork. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. bye. That is uh, Peter Walsh, centre manager at the Brook Park uh, Business Centre in uh, Dunmanway. And actually, I saw, I was reading in the papers today that the government is now trying to identify locations for remote working hubs, the type of hubs that Peter is talking about, that already they have the four in West Cork, but they're looking for more of them around the country. And in, in the Irish Independent today, they say the Department of Enterprise is working with the Central Statistics Office in developing a new national map that will combine existing broadband hubs and childcare facilities across the country. And this mini census, as they're, they're calling it, they're trying to pinpoint communities which have good broadband and have good childcare facilities and it might be suitable for new remote uh, working uh, hubs. And already, it, when you look at the national network of remote working hubs, which, you know, allow people, you can book a desk or a meeting room or co-working space, whatever it is, uh, there's already about 400 of them. I didn't realise it was as many as that around 
around around the country. So it certainly, I think, is going to become a lot of the way people will work in the future. And the pandemic certainly has proven it can be done. More and more people will be opting to work remotely. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can we help someone please to recover uh, stolen bicycles? This is come into us and we're putting pictures of the bicycle up on our C103 Facebook and Twitter feeds. Carol has been on to us to say in the early hours of this morning, shortly after 1am, my son's bikes were stolen from our home in Castle Magna. The two bikes were Christmas presents. Isn't that dreadful? And obviously our boys are really, really upset. We saw the culprit stealing them on our home CCTV camera. Can anybody help us if they saw anything suspicious in the Castle Magna area around that time so uh, just shortly after 1am this morning if anyone was out and about in the Castle Magna area did you spot any suspicious cars or anybody loitering around the area and as I say we've put up a picture of the bikes both bikes are identical just one is smaller in size but we put pictures up on our C103 Facebook and Twitter feeds to so see if we can get these bikes back to these young uh, young um, children who only where, where, where are we at today it was a month today it is the 25th so a month today they would have woken up all excited Christmas morning to have got brand new bikes and a month exactly a month later they get stolen it's just awful so sorry to hear that Carol I really do hope that you get the bikes back now we had somebody on to us from Vincent the Society of Vincent Paul in Bandon and they've asked us please if we would thank everyone who contributed in any way to their Christmas appeal they tell us that they received a huge amount of donations this year and because of that they were able to feed so many families in the area so well done if you contributed in any way to St Vincent de Paul at Christmas in Bandon or indeed any of the St Vincent de Paul uh, conferences I think people saw the need this year more than ever so well done and well done to everybody involved with VDP they do the most amazing work now Marion in Castlehaven was on to say she'd received a scam call uh, this morning claiming to be from Revenue and she wanted us to put a shout out and to let other people know that these scam calls are back doing the rounds. And there seems to be an increase in the amount of these scam calls since the start of the new the new year. Don't know what the reason for it is, but certainly there isn't a day goes by that we are not getting in calls or texts or emails from our listeners telling us that they've received these uh, scam calls. And just this morning before we came on air, John Paul's work phone rang And would you believe it was one of those scam calls. So he recorded it for us. Now, it's a little bit, there's a little bit of a buzz on the line, but you can clearly hear the audio. And I play this out just so to let other people know that if you get this type of call, know straight away it is a scam. Do not engage with them. Just literally hang up. If you have a smartphone and you're able to block the call, even though they generate, they seem to generate more and more numbers all the time. But we're told it does help if you can in any way block it. But here is the scam call that we got to our work phone this morning. To avoid the legal charges pressed again, your name and will lead to your PPS number suspension. Your case ID number is CV1165202. For more information on your case and to speak to the Revenue Commissioner, press 1. I repeat, press 1 for more information. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line and you'll be transferred to the next available agent. 
and it keeps going on like that you'll wait until eventually eventually somebody will get through to you and they're letting on there from revenue but you can quite clearly hear that that is a computer generated voice listen to her speak again the legal charges pressed again your name and will lead to your PPS number suspension your case ID you know, I mean, they're asking you, they're meant to be from revenue and they're asking you for your PPS number. So please be very careful. Share nothing like that, particularly if you get an unsolicited uh, call. Thanks to uh, John Paul for recording that for us. 0818 103 103. We were talking about remote working in the last hour. A couple of people commenting on that. Uh, hi, I was just listening to you talking about hubs and working in remote hubs. I'm currently working from the east centre in Charleville. Great internet connection. Great location. Well done. And we're going to, because that's what I mentioned, the government are now looking to see if they can find more of these hubs around the country. I think we're certainly going to see a lot more of it. Uh, Tara from Glanmire was on to say the benefits of remote working are very obvious. It's less commuting uh, for everyone and because of that there are fewer transport emissions. You also have a better quality of like, like life for the workers because you get to spend more time with family and friends. There are new job opportunities will be for, created for people, particularly those who want to live and work in rural Ireland. Also, remote working is a huge benefit to people with disabilities who will be able to work much better from home and for people who perhaps have some kind of a caring responsibility. There are so much pluses to remote working, says Tara in Glanmire. Uh, She really hopes that the government picks up on this. And someone else was on earlier today saying, Patricia, in relation to this working from home, for nearly two years now, some people have worked from home anything from one day a week to a full five days since the start of the pandemic. So remove the pandemic and suddenly... We're not allowed. There's no legal framework saying we're allowed to work from home. People have been talking for over a year at least about this. And yet now we're hearing they wait, the government, wait until the restrictions have been lifted before they start this process of looking at the legislation that is needed, which I heard on your news this morning now won't happen until June. So staff will have to go back to work 100% until legislation comes through and then they can apply for it. It seems very slow to me at uh, thanking you. And yeah, when you lay it out like that, we have been talking about it for well over a year. You are right. And yet the government are only now, we've got the minister now bringing the bill before the uh, government. Uh, and there will be a bit of disappointment because there, there had been hopes that the bill would introduce the right to work from home. But instead, what is going before, the bill is going to require employers to consider requests from working from home. So that means that employers can still reject somebody saying, I want to work from uh, home. Uh, employers are less likely to grant requests to work from home for fear of being brought to the Workplace Relations Commission. That's what the government is saying because that's what can happen. If you look to work from home and your employer rejects your request, then you can take it to the WRC and there will be this appeals mechanism and that will be added into the new legislation. Now, the Cabinet is set to consider the proposals uh, and our listeners write, on the week that hundreds of thousands are gradually returning to the office in Unions have said employers must consult their members about the return 
to uh, to the office and I saw ICTU's uh, chief, Patricia King, she's warning that some workers will not be able to return and there will be health reasons and there will. You'll have some people nervous about going back into the uh, office. Uh, so we'll wait and see what comes out of uh, this legal uh, framework whereby an employer can either approve or reject a request to work remotely and I know that the opposition TDs were hoping for the for the bill to give people the right to work from uh, from home. And of course the other side of returning to the office and those that have, have been at home since the start of the pandemic and are suddenly now venturing out to the big bad word of work and getting it into uh, their cars. And many of them as I say returned to the office for the first time in nearly two years. They're in for a bit of a shock because they are seeing hefty increases in fuel costs compared to when they would have been commuting pre-pandemic and the latest figures are out from the AA and they reveal that the average petrol and diesel prices for this month reached 170.3 for diesel for petrol and 160.5 per litre for petrol. Now, obviously, that will vary around the country. That's the average figure. But if you compare that to February of 2020, which would have been the last full months that people were commuting to work before the COVID-19 lockdown uh, came in. So two years ago, those prices for petrol, it was a hundred. €1.34 a litre and for diesel it was €1.29 a litre. So that is a huge, huge jump. Petrol has increased by over 35 cents. Diesel has gone up by over 30 cents in that same uh, period. So workers will be faced with a 27% increase in petrol prices and a 20 24% rise in diesel costs if they have to commute to and from work. And the AA used an example of somebody who had a 60 kilometre commute and the towns that they used was if somebody was travelling from say Charleville to Cork City and many people will be back on that road doing that very very commute it will cost that motorist over €2,600 a year in petrol at the current prices and that's an increase of €550 compared to to their petrol costs were before the pandemic, if they have a diesel car, cost is slightly less, it's, but it's still €2,000 a year. And that's almost €395 Euro more than it was in February of uh, 2020. And of course, fuel costs have remained consistently high as the oil producing companies, they're, fail to, they're failing to export enough oil to meet the growing demand. And then unless supply demand, unless supply demands meets, unless supply meets demand fuel prices according to the AA are going to remain high in this country but it's not in this country this is a world uh, wide uh, issue so the AA don't come to us with any good news today because they say they can't see fuel prices coming down anytime sooner but they do point out that we have to look at our taxation system 60% of every single euro that you pay at the pumps goes in taxation to the government. So it is within the remit of the government to ease the pressure if they decided to cut some of the taxation. But there's no there's no talk about that for sure. And I come bearing more bad news if you are commuting to work and you have to use any of the direct route toll charges on the M8. Their prices have increased for a motor car, it's gone up to €2 Euro, and for a bus or a coach, it's gone up to 350 I think
think if the motor car was 190, wasn't it? It's been rounded off to uh, 2 euro if you are travelling on the M8. 0818103103. Our lines are open. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Bandon Further Education and Training Centre. Now they're offering free gardening courses at their poly tunnels at Bandon Allotments. The courses run on Tuesdays. There's the number of time slots. There was one at um, at 10am that's just about finished now, but there's another one in the afternoon at 1pm to 3. You can contact them at 086-823-9094 for more details. You can email raymond.oregan at corkitb.ie. Bingo is going ahead tonight in Ballinine and Iskina. Not tonight, it's tomorrow night, Wednesday. It's got a half eight start in the Village Inn, and I know somebody was inquiring about that uh, yesterday. So that's Ballinine and Iskina Bingo Wednesday night at half past uh, eight. And deciphering the minor place names along Cork's southwest coastline is the title of a Ducas Thonakilty Heritage Zoom lecture. It'll be given by Jerome Lorden and it is on Thursday of this week at 8 o'clock. If you'd like to register for the lecture, you need to go to www.ducasclonakiltyheritage.com. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And some of your comments coming in, Patricia, fuel is high because OPEC decided to cut production some months ago. Also, government probably can't make it a legal right to work from home as many jobs such as manufacturing simply can't be done from home. Kind regards, that's from Dave in uh, Cork. Well, I think, you know, the legislation that's coming in on giving people the right to request employees or employees can request from their employees the right to work. It's only for jobs, obviously, that can be done at home. But you're right, there there are a lot of jobs that can't be done from home. Somebody who works in retail, for example, can't work from home if you're working on a supermarket checkout or manufacturing, exactly what you've said there. So it's just for people who can and have been doing it quite successfully throughout the last two years of the pandemic. Somebody else not in favour of working from home. Hi, Patricia, working from home is stupid. And what's going to happen? Only more depression and mental health issues that our heads are already bludgeoned uh, with recently. I hope it is rejected. Are they mad or what? Again, working from home hasn't worked for everybody but it has worked for another group of people actually love the idea of working from home I don't think anybody's going to be forced to work from home a lot of companies seem to be doing this hybrid model but again it'll be open to those that want uh, to do it but when you say working from home is stupid there will be a lot of people listening to this programme who are working from home who do not want want to go back to the office uh, go back to the office they see all the pluses of working from home. But you're right, it doesn't suit ev- everyone. And this texter also said, I also want to know why visits to nursing homes are not allowed. And I've, I've just, I've heard that a lot of the carers don't have the vaccines. Is that true? Bring back COVID certs for good. They will uh, regret it. I did read in the papers this morning the visiting rules for nursing homes. And of course, nursing homes were the ones that suffered the most devastation in the initial waves of the pandemic. They look set to be relaxed. But obviously caution is remaining about lifting restrictions in all healthcare settings. But new guidelines from the Health Protection Surveillance Centre for nursing homes, for hospitals and for other 
healthcare settings are to be issued. And this obviously was following the government's decision to end most of the COVID-19 curbs, including social distancing and the need for COVID uh, certificates. But the problem that a number of nursing homes are going to have is to do with the number of outbreaks. I mean, for at the moment, the last figure I had was that there's 57 nursing home outbreaks of COVID-19. There's 33 outbreaks in acute hospitals and there's 70 in residential institutions. And that was up to, I think, the second week of uh, January. So obviously those those homes and hospitals are completely locked down to, to visitors. But nursing homes that don't have uh, outbreaks, it certainly is being looked at now by the Health Protection Surveillance Committee. And I read in the paper, Ty Daly, uh, who we have uh, only uh, only spoke with last week on the programme. Uh, he's the Chief Executive of Nursing Homes Ireland. He said he expects updated guidance in the coming days around areas such as, as visiting. And Ty said they are hoping to get back to a new normal where with where people will still need to be obviously vigilant when visiting a nursing home, but they've been hugely encouraged by the booster uh, vaccine. Now, currently what's happening is uh, relatives and friends of nursing home residents are asked for their COVID pass. I think they're limited to two people visiting. Many nursing homes have restrictions on the amount of days you can go in and visit. And of course, as we've mentioned on this programme, visitors to nursing homes have also been asked to take antigen testing. So a lot of that is going to be changed, but we have to wait for the guidelines to come out from the Health Protection Surveillance Centre. But they tell us they are working on it. Okay, and just to wrap up on some other texts, um, still getting in texts about the Kerry Babies a scandal and that programme Crimes and Confessions where we got to relive again what happened with the Kerry Babies uh, controversy. Trish, I watched that programme last night. I think it is disgusting how Joanne Hayes and her family were uh, treated, what they put up with and what they've had to put up with since 1984. Why, oh why, were these guards not prosecuted? Even though uh, we knew it all before, I looked at it last night and it actually made my blood boil so much. Certainly looking at that programme last night, It's a Man's World. Yeah, I, w- I was jawed. I mean, like, like you, I knew all of the story. And I was, my jaw was dropping at times. And when I was being reminded of things, particularly I think the inquiry, the questions that they asked her, oh, you know, it would never happen today, thank God. But my Lord, what they put that poor uh, woman through. And also, you know, to bear in mind, okay, it was 1984, you know, and and somebody earlier said what a grubby state Ireland was in in the 80s when you look at that programme. But think it was only the year before last. It was only 2020 when the Hayes, when Joanne and the rest of the Hayes family officially got their apology and compensation. I mean, it has taken from 1984 to 2020 uh, for that. It is truly, truly shocking. Uh, Thank you for your text. Uh, Hi Patricia, you've been mentioning the €1,000 pandemic bonus again on the programme today. I would like to remind you of a suggestion that came in from one of your listeners who said her daughter, her young daughter, came up with the idea of giving a medal, a commemorative medal to everybody who has worked during the pandemic rather than the €1,000 pandemic a bonus. I think that is spot on. My wife is actually one that will be receiving that €1,000. And yes, while it was hard times working in the hospital, she often came home to me crying. But there will be people who worked in the hospitals that will still get this payment and who did little or nothing. So that young girl and her suggestion of some kind of a commemorative medal is spot on. And the people who would have worked 
at the front line in the cold face of it will have that medal uh, for forever. I think it was a great suggestion. Fair. I wonder how your wife feels that you you want to give away her one thousand euro. But I but thank you for your text. And I know when we mentioned it last week, we had a huge number of people who agreed and said absolutely it was the way forward. Give some kind of a commemorative medal. Others were saying you could do it, and I just don't know if there would be too many people. But could you do it that the president? gave it out actually handed it over a little bit like the Gashka medals and somebody else was saying a little bit like you know when the Gardaí is it a Scots medal it's called for acts of bravery and have some kind of a ceremony now there probably would be too many frontline healthcare workers uh, to do that but I think it would be nice even if it was just posted out to them it would be nice for them uh, for something to have forevermore that could then be passed on through the uh, generations and we mentioned Home Helps and lack thereof of uh, Home Helps somebody's picking up on that it isn't your show this morning and I'm wondering why the Home Help who contacted you by email who is on social welfare said she didn't want to do many more hours because it would affect her social welfare payment and they need the, the powers that be need, need to look at that. My suggestion is why does that woman not come off social welfare and do extra hours? At the end of the day you get a social welfare payment it's there to help you when you need it but it shouldn't be a payment that replaces work. So nobody should be using the excuse that I don't want to work because it's going to affect my social welfare payment. Come off the social welfare payment and work full time instead. And that's the suggestion in from one of our listeners to 0862 103 103. John Paul taking your calls at uh, 0818 103 103. Court today on C. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, Things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan, who runs a casting practice in Boherbui, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And today you're going to be talking about anxiety. And I'm really glad that you've brought this up as a topic because yesterday when we were talking about people getting back out after the restrictions, a number of people were saying how anxious they were, including one listener who said that she would love to go to the launch of the CD for the air ambulance that's happening next Sunday but she's nervous about it and she's anxious about it. And then she said, I will buy the CD, but I'm fearful about going. So that ties in nicely what we're going to be talking about uh, today. But you're involved in that CD that's been launched. I mean, there had been, you you tried to launch before, but obviously with COVID times, it couldn't be done. Now, this is a CD that's been put together by local singers, including your good self. Absolutely. Um, we did a CD for the Simon, uh, Cork Simon community in 2010, I think. And uh, it, it made a nice bit of money. Um, uh, eight or nine tracks, myself, son Colin and Danny Reardon uh, from Kentork. And um, yeah, it was well received. And um, then we did one in, I think it was 2014, for St. Joseph's and Charleville with much the same line-up again. Um, eight or nine tracks. Now, though, this one has 23 tracks on it. And, um, uh, yeah, local singers and uh, also the old uh, faithfuls on it, myself and Colin and Danny, and um, so many people... Um, uh, it was great. Um, Leo Fitzgerald at a Music Row studio in um, uh, locally here um, uh, oh, gave off his time, expertise, and his studio, which is um, oh, absolutely um, top class, uh, top of the range. Yeah, like it's and, professionally, um, professionally recorded. Absolutely, and. Um, now, originally, the, the the first two were with Brian O'Reilly in studio, Fiona in Fermoy, um, um, uh, an old friend, and uh, but they have moved to Spain, and uh, Leo stepped in to more than stepped in to that breach, and um, uh, and then Mike Fitzgerald um, has Star Treks in Knocknagree, and um, uh, you know every penny taken as it were at the door will go to the air ambulance. And you're, it's it's next um, Sunday afternoon and there'll be a bit of dancing and so many yeah. people are desperate to get back out dancing. Absolutely. Um, uh, quite a few people I've been talking to over the time of the restrictions um, would have said that one of the big things that they missed in their life was um, this social dancing. Um, the, the likes of uh, the Woodlands, the Hazel Tree, Cades County, um, uh, Star Trek um, so it's nice that that's back and there will be dancing to the music of Peter Burke um, I heard him singing recently on C103 um, uh, you know um, a that's fine all. musician so it's, it's um, next Sunday in Star Trek uh, from half two to five and you'll use the opportunity to launch the CD and I'm assuming the CD will be on sale absolutely and okay. we'll get it into shops and They'll be on sale on the day and we hope that those who come uh, will buy a copy of the CD. Um, and with 23 tracks on it, and there there's some lovely, lovely songs and lovely music by Kjell Tori Um 
uh, on it. Um, it's great value at yeah, a tenor. Fantastic. It is. Abs- absolutely fantastic. And it stands, the actual album, the CD stands out because it's got the bright red of the air ambulance on it. it and, and you couldn't. The helicopter on the, the front. Helicopter. Yeah. We couldn't get a more worthy cause because no we worthy. never know the day of the hour when any of our family members may need to. It's the last thing you want to see is an air ambulance, a helicopter uh, landing yeah. close by. But by God, if you need it, it has saved well, more we lives. We have a very good friend. Um, uh, uh, I won't say any names, but um, he he had a heart attack on the golf course in Waterville. And um, the speed with which everything happened was unbelievable. And uh, I think the trip from just near Waterville uh, to uh, Limerick General Hospital, I think it was seven minutes, I think, as far as I can yeah. gather. Anyway, it saved his life. So um, uh, he is he, obviously eternally grateful to the Air Ambulance. And there are so many stories like that. OK. All right. So listen, good luck with that uh, next mm. Sunday. Now, for that lady who was saying, love to go along, but I'm feeling anxious. She's she's not, not on her own. And you say anxiety is a normal response to stressful situations. Absolutely. And the way things have been, I mean, talk about stressful situations. Stressful situations are normally quite short-lived. But we've had a, str- a, a, a stressful situation for two years. And um, it has affected us all. There is no doubt whatsoever about that. Um, no doubt whatsoever. And uh, I, I'm anxious. Um, Mary is anxious, um, you know. But um, uh, I suppose we have to put two C's together, courage and caution. Um, uh, we can't, I suppose, well, I, I'm quite sure, we can't let um, fear and anxiety run our lives. Um, does that mean that we go crazy and um, take no um, precautions? And all that? Of course it doesn't. Of course not. And um, I suppose we've been um, surprised and taken a little bit, um, uh, yeah, by surprise, with the speed and the um, uh, the width, the expense of the um, of the removal of restrictions, it's been so much so fast. And um, and we all sort of got conditioned over the last two years, and suddenly now it's like, oh, all of those rules and regulations are gone, and that's yeah. kind of can can freak out uh, some people. And what I, what I keep saying and have been saying since yesterday, since we started discussing this. We all need to do this at our own pace. My pace might be very different to your pace and certainly both of our paces will be very different to a 21-year-old who heard that news on Friday night and was putting on the fake tan and getting the high heels out and was out on Saturday night socialising with her friends. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and each one of us, um, we are all individuals and we'll all deal with um, the, uh, call it the opening of society. We'll all deal with it in our own way and at our own pace. Um, but I think we do need to challenge ourselves a bit. Um, uh, uh, we've all been so accustomed to the rules and the regulations and we did our best and we followed them and suddenly we're told no, you uh, there is a great freedom now now, 
Um, I suppose it's like going into uh, uh, cold water for a swim. Um, we'll start with the toes and we'll do a bit of a dip, maybe up to the ankle. Um, we'll test um, both the temperature and our response to it. And then um, more than likely we'll go and have our swim. But, um, but you know, carefully and with caution, courage and caution, um, that uh, we, we've, um, we, we, we've been anxious now for a long time. It's become um, our um, modus operandi, as it were, um, for, for two years. Um, fearful of this awful um, uh, virus going around. And, um, you know, we've had sweaty nights. We've had sleeplessness. We've had lack of appetite. We've had um, low frustration tolerance has become a thing. We often mentioned the word tetchy recently. Sometimes tetchy can be loud. And, um, you know... Uh, so anxiety can very much affect our moods. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, being snappy, being irritable, being pessimistic, um, needing reassurance, and 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 all of that. Um, being down, being down. I, I mean, you know, it would be the very rare person who was overjoyed and feeling good about all the rules and regulations. Um, Going right back to the time, imagine when you you couldn't go more than five kilometres from your more home. More than more than two kilometres at one stage. And, at one stage, and your 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 good self, Mary, fell into the cocooning. You weren't meant to leave the you weren't meant to leave the house. That's right. You know, That's I right. mean, it's and we're a lot. We've come a long way since then, but people got accustomed to that. That's exactly it. We became accustomed to that. It became our world view. And our worldview was completely changed from do whatever you want. If you want to go here or go there, just go. You know, um, it would be very weird three years ago if anyone was told, well, actually, no, you you can't drive to, um, Cork to Mellow, to yeah. Cork. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would be very strange if someone had, pred- had predicted that. So we now yeah. have to get used to what is now the new normal. The new normal, though, is um, what we've got to adjust to. And, um, you know, God knows we all need a bit of distraction now. Um, we, need to, uh, we need to get into this brave new world. Maybe like the analogy I was giving about the, the dive into the sea, uh, it needn't be a dive into the sea. It can be a tentative testing of the waters. But we do need to have something to look forward to. And um, uh, we need to be sensible, we need to be cautious, we need to be kind to ourselves and others and thoughtful, but um, we do need to venture forth and um, uh, learn to, to live uh, again. And hopefully, hopefully, please God, that we will uh, continue to see uh, the virus um, diminishing and our lives um, being enhanced. That, that, that would be so, so wonderful. Um, uh, w- one, of, one of our breakouts, anyway, will definitely be, I'd, I'd absolutely love to book a holiday, 
we haven't had one for what is it three years now mm-hmm. you know yeah and uh, yeah. yeah i'd love to do that and um that'll be one of the things now that even there's a certain little lift in uh looking online and uh maybe going into a travel agent maybe having a chat about you know what's available and and uh, what can be done but again very cautiously um uh, you know, pick your that. location, know where you're going, make yeah. sure you're going to be happy with it. But everything is to be done, as I say, at, at your at our own pace, baby steps. But we need to push through and get out there. We do. We absolutely do. Um, uh, and each according to um, preference, um, uh, you know, courage and caution and um uh, for those in a in a vulnerable um, uh, position in life, I, I, I suppose we come into that. Now we're I'm not talking about you and me. Now I'm talking about Mary and myself. That um, you know we're we're well into our seventies now. I'll be seventy six in June, like and um, yeah, we know we need to be we need to be a wee bit careful, a bit sensible. But then um, uh, you know that can be managed. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it, it's to, a bit like when we, in the early days when we were watching everywhere where we were going, it is a bit like that as well. I mean, as I keep saying to people, if you go somewhere and you just feel you're uncomfortable, there's too many people there, maybe go go to whatever that place is when it's quieter. You know, we we've had, done we, that. Yeah, we'd Michael we've O'Donovan We've on. gone to the shops now. Yeah, when it's there and, um, quieter uh, times of the day. Yeah, if it's 11 o'clock in the day and it happens to be packed, we'll, we'll come home and have a go again at 3 o'clock. Yeah, and your um, local restaurant, your local bar, if you haven't yeah. gone there, go out there, go in the afternoon when there's not going to be... And just, as you say, it's like dipping your toe in the water. Yeah, that's Absolutely. That's what you need to do. All right, OK, yeah. listen, the best of luck with the launch of the CD next Sunday. Half two in Star Tracks in Anaknagree. I hope you sell loads of CDs. Pleasure as always. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday, Joe. Absolutely. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good afternoon. Joe Heffernan runs a counselling practice in Bohubwe. His number is 086-834-8145. Uh, somebody on the price of petrol, the cost of fuel by car, 80 euros a week. Um, and it is increasing all the time and we're hearing the amount that goes to the government in taxation, something around there. And someone else on said on diesel prices, I've been getting diesel for years from the same uh, company, uh, four or five garages I go to. They're the same company and the same brand, but just in different parts of the city. I'm amazed that in one part of the city, I can pay 161 for diesel, while somewhere else it's 157. And then I'll go to areas of the county and it can be even higher at 163. Why is that? Because all of the garages are independent and they buy in, even though they're buying the same brand. It's the price that they buy it in at. That's how the garage uh, sets their price. Disappointed to hear on Ballymacork Cross, what's known as the most dangerous junction in Ireland, and Board Panola have again pushed out the decision due on the upgrade works for Ballymacork Cross. We're now told the new date when the board will consider the matter is no later than the 11th of March. That is really disappointing and frustrating for people in that area. Nancy and Bantry was on to say that medal idea for all frontline workers is a great idea. Uh, taxes will have to go up to pay that €1,000 bonus. It's going to come out at, what was it, €10 million Euro was what it's going to cost. Nancy said everybody will end up paying for that because there'll be an increase in taxes. Anthony and Limerick says, Joe is so 
right, we all need a break, something to look forward to. And Anthony's looking forward to a trip to Mallow next weekend, staying in the High B. Hope you have a lovely time, uh, Anthony. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10 to that Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.